Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Stone History. On this episode, we're going to be taking a look at the eruption of Mount Vesuvius in 79 CE that led to the destruction of the city of Pompeii. We're going to take a look at this in a more of a timeline view, and please let us know what your feelings are on that sort of a format. So it was 24th of August, 79 CE. It's the warm southern Italian city of Pompeii, nestled on the Bay of Naples. Sounds really nice. It's kind of a resort town, kind of a mix of uh, Vegas, but with a little bit of a raunchier side. Lots of brothels, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, Nice baths. Really nice place to be, except, you know, for the uh, volcano called Mount Vesuvius that's right there. Um... And so they had been feeling uh, some earthquakes for about four days. So at 8 a.m. on the 24th of August, a cloud of gas and ash can be seen above Mount Vesuvius. Um, Of course, this is after those four days of small eruptions and earthquakes, that sort of thing. You know, it's the Romans. They don't care. They don't give a shit. They don't take a look at it whatsoever, right? Um, Couldn't be anything, right? Just the gods. Have a little rumbly tumbly. Nothing's coming. Well, then we fast forward to 12 p.m. And about now is also where we get that firsthand account uh, from Pliny the Younger, who with uh, his mother and his uncle was across the Bay of Naples at the city of Mycenaeum. Um, And we get a really good firsthand account from him regarding his uncle's trip across the bay to try to help. Uh, He was apparently a commander of a local fleet. Um, And this attempt did end up leading to his uncle's death. And we get a really, really touching account in a letter from him to the historian Tacitus. Um, So if you if you would like, I can post that on the website or you can just go to Google and take a look up that. It's a really nice piece of information. Um, then we jump forward to 1 p.m. This is when Vesuvius pops its top, for real. Uh, a violent explosion pours ash into the sky. Uh, stones begin to fall on Pompeii at a rate of about four to six inches per hour. I mean, that's a shitload if it's snow, but rocks? You know, that's pretty, that's pretty awful. Most of it was a form of white pumice, and of course it was superheated because it was being shot forth from the volcano. Um... And these rocks, as they were falling on the roofs of the buildings and houses of Pompeii, which were made of tile like most Roman houses were, uh, heated those tiles up to about 250 to 280 degrees Fahrenheit. I mean, that's a new different way of hotboxing, I'd say. Um, but that's just me. I don't, I don't know if we go that dangerous of a route. So we jump forward to 5 p.m., 
The ash by this point has blacked out the setting sun. The buildings were starting to collapse from the massive weight of the stones and ash on the roofs and on the tiles. Um, You would see people dying from collapses, uh, stuff like that, ash inhalation, um, unlucky folks getting hit by unusually large forms of those rocks, um, stuff like that. Uh, but then it starts to get worse. The stones that start to fall become the size of fists and even heavier, large stones that can kill a man. Um, in Pliny's letter, he actually reports that by this time and because of these rocks falling, his uncle was actually tying pillows to his head to try to escape and make it to his ships. Uh, we don't really get any of a report past that, uh, but with that report, uh, we do get a really good look at how bad it was on the streets of Pompeii and the nearby towns around around Vesuvius. Um, I mean, I wouldn't want to run out in that. I've been in some hailstorms, but shit. That rocks falling that size? No. Um, and, and the reports are that lasted for about 18 hours. So we have a bit of a jump forward to 1 a.m. on the next day on the 25th of August. Um, and this is about when Vesuvius gives us the proverbial, um, you haven't seen my final form yet. And that giant cloud of and or column, I guess you could call it, of ash, small bits of stone and superheated gas that by that point was stretching up to 20 miles high, collapses, sending a mixture of that superheated gas and ash and rock fragments that they call a pyroclastic surge, not once but twice into the city. The first surge was estimated to be at a temperature of 360 to 430 degrees Fahrenheit, and the second one was even hotter at a fucking 430 to 500 degrees Fahrenheit. I don't know about you, but that's really good. Really good cooked chicken. Maybe too well done. I don't know. But uh, I wouldn't want to be there at that time myself. Um, but these, these heat surges heat the windowless rooms of these buildings upwards of the boiling temperature of water, killing most of the residents, animals, etc. inside. The city of Herculaneum, which was actually closer to Vesuvius and the eruption by this point, had finally lost the last of its population. So we jump forward to 6.30 a.m. Another third surge hits the cities with a temperature of excess of 480 degrees Fahrenheit. And we get a bit of a clearer temperature with this one because this one actually melted the tin lead mixture of the silverware that was in the houses of the residents. So that gives us a cool little insight onto how hot it actually was. And this surge actually, when it hits, wipes out the few survivors that somehow from being in shelter or down near the harbor had survived up to this point. This one pretty much kills them instantly. Um, so you can just take a second and think about, uh, think about the impact of that. Um, and, you know, that's pretty much it for the residents of Pompeii that, by that point. And around 7.30 to 8 a.m. on the 25th, we get a further 4th, 5th, and 6th surges that go on to just kick it while it's down. Um, and I mean, by that point, there's nothing left. The ash and the rock continues to fall. Um, and at, around that point, it's estimated the ash cloud going above the eruption was 21 miles high. And that was pretty much the total of the eruption. And so after the eruption, you know, we pretty much figured out that Pompeii was covered in a total of 82 feet of rock and ash. And shortly thereafter, just due to the level of destruction and loss, the city was pretty much forgotten about. 
and we don't really get anything else but rumors of hearsay of the city of Pompeii until in 1748, a Spaniard military engineer, I'm not even going to try to butcher his name, uh, was able to discover a sign with the name of the city on it at the location, furthering interest in the location, furthering digs and archaeological evidence. Um, but we should really take a look at, at, the, at the site of Pompeii. Um, the sacrifice of those residents that, you know, they didn't know it. It wasn't voluntary. Um, and the ash that preserved it has given us a insight that we have n not been able to get in any other way of their lives and lives at that time. And we continue to get new information uh, from Pompeii to this very day. So I think we should thank them a little bit for that, um, for the great loss of life and the tragedy uh, that was that fiery hell at Pompeii. Um, but again, thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, I hope you enjoyed our little look at the eruption of Vesuvius. Um, and we'll be coming back with another episode this week. So it's going to be two episodes this week for a bit of a delay on this one. And our second episode is going to be a bit of a bio look at the life and career of Scipio Africanus, that famous Roman general uh, that I personally think is up there with Alexander the Great as far as tactical capabilities. Uh, but again, thank you. And please check us out at our website or on pretty much anywhere you look at social media. Just look us up under Stone History Podcast. Um, we'd love to know what you think. Any suggestions, tips, just say hello. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. But I hope you have a great rest of your week. Thank you.